You can cross your fingers and all your toes during a data center migration. You can knock on wood, pluck a dozen four-leaf clovers, or look to your lucky stars for a successful office expansion. You could hold your breath, shut your eyes, and say all the world wishes to help avoid cyber attacks. But none of that truly helps you. Because Next Level Moments need the Next Level Network. With the security, reliability, and expertise to take your business further. AT&T Business, the network you can rely on. This is Life Admin Life Hacks, a podcast that gives you techniques, tips, and tools to tackle your life admin more efficiently, to save your time, your money, and improve your household harmony. I'm Dinara Roberts, an operations manager who used to struggle to say no, but I'm getting better at it. I'm Leah Northrop, a researcher and writer who thinks the most precious commodities on earth are time, energy, and attention. In the words of Steve Jobs, deciding what not to do is as important as deciding what to do, and this is definitely true of life admin. In this episode, we'll take you through some of our top hacks of how to decide what not to do. Hello, and welcome to Life Admin Life Hacks. Life admin is never-ending. The bills, the emails, the forms, they're never going to stop. And while it's important to have systems to tackle your life admin efficiently, it's also important to realize that not every life admin task is made equal. Sometimes you just have to say no. And we wanted to address this topic because we are not fans of the you can do it all and here's how rhetoric. We kind of used to be (laughs) wired that way. That's how we got into this life admin mess in the first place. And we know that the majority of our audience are working parents and people looking to optimize their life admin to free up their time for better things. And part of this is also being aware of the frequency you do certain life admin tasks, which tasks to take off your plate and onto someone in the household or outsourced, and which tasks to take off the table altogether. Yeah, Mayor, I think there's lots of dimensions to this kind of reducing and minimizing the amount of life admin that you have in your life. And I think like the most important place to start is that really understanding where you are in your season of life and what's like your values and goals, what's important to you so that you can really think about where to focus your attention. Particularly if your life admin's in complete disarray or you're particularly short on time, it really can help you figure out where you should focus your efforts. Yeah, you can't do it all. We're saying you probably don't need to do it all because some of it's really (laughs) worth doing. And for me, like the season of life where I'm in, I'm working full time, I've got school aged kids with all their extracurricular stuff, I'm co-parenting and for me I'm very protective of my time. I just need time to veg, I need time to exercise, I need time to catch up with my friends, otherwise I'm going to become a bit of twisted old lady. (laughs) That is my priority right now. It's like I just need to have a, a little buffer of time to do things that are nurturing for me. And that means that I've had to come to terms with like outsourcing some stuff, particularly around home maintenance. I moved into this house six months ago. Everywhere I look, there's like little little jobs, little things that I need fixing or I want to tweak in some way. You know, I could spend all my evenings and my weekends doing that, but I wouldn't have time to do the stuff that's, you know, hanging out with my kids or seeing friends or doing exercise that's a bit more nurturing. So I've realized I have to outsource some of that stuff. And that means there's a trade-off. If I'm going to be spending my money on that, it means I'm not spending money on clothes, which isn't a massive deal for me because I'm a massive <laughs> buyer. But you mean know, clothes or books where I often have hemorrhaged money or even alcohol. Like I realized 
how much I would spend on alcohol and I've changed my habits there for health reasons and a good night's sleep, but also for financial reasons. And also I've sort of, you know, the, the amount of money I was spending eating out, I've sort of rethought that and having more people over. So yeah, for me, when I think about the life admin tasks that are out there, I'm like, okay, what can I, what will I focus on that's going to give me time back and not take up too much time? What about you, Diane? What's your priorities right now? Yeah, well, I'm also back at work full-time after having quite a long time of working in part-time roles. And so although, you know, when I reflect on it, it's not actually time, although time is important, saving time, Mm. for me it's making sure that I've got that peace of mind because I find it really hard to, you know, cope, I guess, manage life where I feel like I've got those 3 a.m. wake-ups where I feel like things aren't under control and our household isn't streamlined and running smoothly and everyone knows what's going on. So for me at the moment, it's really making sure that we are really on top of our calendar, that everyone in the family is contributing to making sure that our calendar is up to date and that it's not overloaded um, and that things are added to the list and that we're making progress through them and everyone's doing their fair share so that I feel like we are running as smooth as possible as you, you know, that is possible with two teenagers in the house and two mm-hmm. parents working full time and a pet and all of the things that go along with that. So really making sure that those things are, are nailed makes our whole life more enjoyable and makes me a better person to be around. Yeah. Greg McKeon wrote a book called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And we both read this as sort of research for earlier podcast episodes and for the book. And it's an excellent book about focusing on the signal and filtering out the noise in life. And he has this model. Actually, what I really like about this book too is the diagrams that kind of just sort of sum up some of the thinking. So there's one diagram where if you imagine a circle and in the middle it says energy and it's got all these little arrows radiating out of it in different directions and different heights. And that's sort of the idea that of someone pursuing a whole bunch of different directions and tasks at the same time, you don't get very far. All those arrows are pretty short. Whereas if you think of a different circle with the word energy and one big arrow, because you're focusing on one particular thing and you just get so much further if you don't multitask essentially and focus on one thing. So, and he has this model to help you identify whether you are what he calls an essentialist, pursuing the call less is better kind of thing or a non-essentialist where you might be living a life that's feeling a little less satisfying because you're feeling stretched. So, Diet, I'm going to read out some of these things and you can hear your bingo. When, <laughs> I think you guys relate to quite a bit of, of what was happening on the non-essentialist side of things, particularly a couple of years ago. So a non-essentialist thinks, I have to. They think oh, that was me. That was so <laughs> me. <laughs> it's all important. And how can I fit it all in? I feel like that one, that's how I think, how can I fit it all in? And that's probably the question that we get a lot from people is like, I need to fit all this stuff in, help me fit it all in. And the idea is, no, we're not fitting it all in. We're thinking about the few things that really matter. And there's the idea that you don't have to, you actually have a choice. You have to make a choice and recognize that you have choices in how you spend your time. So the next thing is around, they react to what's most pressing they say yes to people without thinking and they try to force execution at the last moment. So you're just like, probably procrastinating and then doing it because you feel like I have to. The yes thing I think is one of those reflexes that a lot of people have where someone asks you to do something, can you help with something, can you whatever, and you're like, yeah. And then you're like later thinking, oh, my God, why did I say yes to that? 
that I don't have time or I don't want to or whatever. But you have that reflex that you have to retrain. And I used to go to lots of social events with people who I didn't really like because they would ask me. And it was only, you know, when you reflect and think, actually, I, you know, there's other people who I really like spending time with. Why am I, you know, um, you effectively end up doing things you don't enjoy with people you don't like very much if you say yes too much. And I was definitely in that camp a few years ago. So the flip side of that is pausing to discern what really matters, saying no to everything except the essential and removing obstacles to make execution easy. I think that's a big one is when you have decided where you're going to focus is sort of setting up your environment so you can do it as effectively as you can. Okay, and the final, the buckets here, he talks about a non-essentialist, you take on too much and you suffer, your work suffers, you feel out of control and you feel overwhelmed and exhausted. On the flip side there is that you've chosen carefully to do great work, you feel in control and you experience joy in the journey. I think that's a big sign actually when you are doing something and you're just resenting it, you wish you were doing something else, you procrastinate about it instead of coming to it joyfully, that's a big sign that you're probably not doing something that's essential to you. Yeah, definitely. And I think that in the past I used to feel almost bereft if I didn't have a weekend that was full of events. Mm. And now I feel, and I guess almost felt guilty, the thought that I hadn't scheduled myself to the hilt. And now I feel the, you know, I definitely feel like every weekend I need to do something social and something that gets me in nature, but I also feel like I need to make sure there's space So deciding what I want to do based on how I'm feeling at the moment at that time rather than, you know, than being sort of overscheduled. Yep, yep. You're reminding me of the wonderful podcast we did with the Money Mindset Coach who talked about having a spacious week with Nicole Elise. Oh, that's right. That that contrast to say, how was your week? Super busy. Saying, oh, I've had a very spacious week. Like how luxurious. I love the idea of spacious weekends too. I kind of start to feel like I get cabin fever if I, that's not the right term. It's not really cabin fever, but there's this sort of feeling of claustrophobia and being hemmed in if I have too much going on on the weekend because I really do need to rest. So I think another aspect of really thinking about what not to do, and maybe it's strictly not what to do, but it's really thinking about how far to go when it comes to some of your life admin tasks. And we actually talk a lot in our book about in the section around comparison shopping about this concept of satisficing, you know, um, a satisfactory result as fast as possible. And it definitely applies to comparison shopping, but I think it can apply in lots of other areas of life admin where I think people can get caught up in trying to find the perfect solution, like meal planning. So, you know, coming up with, you know, amazing nutritious meals for seven nights of the week. It can become in like gift buying where you really feel like you need to buy the perfect gift for everyone, you know, or even when it comes to things like decluttering and actually someone asked me the other day, you know, your home must be so perfectly organized and every cupboard must be pristine. It's like, no, you know, I've done enough decluttering that it's easy enough for me to find what I have and for us to put things away, but there's no beautiful clear plastic boxes and baskets in my cupboards. The decluttering is just, you know, enough that it makes life easy to run. Yeah. I think the key thing there is knowing that the the essence of decluttering is being able to find stuff that you want and access it easily and knowing what you have, it's not about the little acrylic box <laughs> and making it look stunning with a beautiful colour palette. I mean, if you've got the time and energy, go for it, but don't feel like because you haven't got that far that you haven't actually decluttered properly. Um, 
big fan of that. For me, one of the things that really, you know, I was a bit of a perfectionist when it came to a lot of things. What How that unfolded in my life was I'd get one or two things done, but then there'd be the other 15 that really do need to get done. But I didn't get to them because I'd done the other three to such a high standard. So really embracing that Sheryl Sandberg, you know, done is better than perfect has really changed, I guess, a lot of my thinking around a lot of these tasks around whipping through them as quickly as possible, these 10-minute time killers, making sure I scatter them through the week. And so it means that when I get to the weekend, there's not a long list of things to do and it's not waking me up at 3 a.m. thinking of all the things I haven't done because I'm just chipping away, doing them quickly, maybe not to perfect standard but enough. They're getting off my out of my brain and just complete. Yeah, it's that classic 80-20 rule, that Pareto principle, where 80% of your outputs come from 20% of your effort. So it's worth, you don't have to blow yourself up and do 110% on everything here. I um, recently, so energy bills, you know, energy bills in Australia, eye-watering. Like, you know, usually or annually I, you know, will have a look at my the prices I'm paying and I'll do a comparison shop. But in my current house, I've only been here for six months, but I got one of my first gas bills and I gulped and I just thought I don't have, I'm not going to do the full, you know, the full deal right now, but I'm just going to call my provider and have the chat about whether I'm on the right plan and what I can do. I managed to save some money that way. And it was a bit of a moment of saying, look, I'm thinking, okay, I don't have time to do the full comparison chat, but this is a step in the right direction and it's going to have to do for now. And I'll be doing it again in six months time anyway. So it's nice to sort of catch yourself in those moments and recognize, all right, this is the outcome I'm looking for. This is how much time I'm spending to spend on this and and cut it there. Similarly with meal planning for me, I've just, I've been on a journey with meal planning, Diane. I I think when I first separated because my ex-husband had done most of the, a lot of the cooking. When I first separated, I used to lean so heavily on the meal plan. I really would get panicked at five o'clock. I have a Fitbit. (laughs) The version of my Fitbit has like a stress sensor and it will ping you and say, how are you feeling right now when you're giving off like the sweat and the electrical signals in your body that you're on your heart up? And it it happens when I used to be getting dinner ready. I won't tell you what time it happens now, but it's... (laughs) Yeah, and, and so I used to get this little signal. And so I used to lean really heavily on like HelloFresh and having my meal kits and having this crystal plan that I knew exactly what I was cooking and what cookbook from. And now fast forward a couple of years, obviously I've learned some cooking skills. <laughs> and I've learned my repertoire has expanded. And actually I should thank HelloFresh for that because I think I cooked the same thing so many times it just got embedded. But I don't, you know, I don't meal plan to the same degree. I will meal plan fortnightly. It's a lot looser. I feel more confident. So it's nice to recognize I actually don't need to spend that much time on this anymore. I can put my time anywhere else. Yeah, it's something that I have wound down a little. <laughs> I've definitely done that when it comes to buying gifts for kids' birthday parties. It's been something that we used to, I guess, quite heavily lean into buying books for kids because that was easy to do. But now their kids are teenagers. They're kind of, it's not cool, I don't think, to buy books for teenagers. So now the rule is if you can buy it on Amazon and it can be delivered, that's that's a gift you're allowed to buy. Otherwise, we give a gift voucher or cash. and Or the kid can go and buy the present for their friend themselves. I, I don't have time or energy for that. So I think, you know, really just letting go or, you know, really, you know, 
lowering the the level of which you know the standard to which you need to operate makes a huge difference and just accepting that you can't do everything in life and that's not the most important thing to me right now yeah and for some people it might not be around sort of lowering standards but actually just tweaking the frequency of what you're doing something so if you have something that you're normally doing weekly or monthly or quarterly you might think okay is this you know can I change it up can I do it less frequently doesn't make much of a difference and win back some time that way, take a little load off. So I think another principle that is really close to my heart and has been a bit of a struggle through our whole life admin journey is really thinking about when you do divide tasks to other members of your family or you know give them to someone else to do is to truly let go of them mm. and not come to the rescue when the person does not complete the task. I think if you've got a partner and they've agreed to take this on, It can be so easy to leap in and rescue them when you see that they are perhaps dropping the ball or even if they're just not quite doing it the way you would do it. And I still find it quite hard to bite my tongue. But when you don't help her out, what happens is, well, when you do sort of leap in and either, you know, try and fix them, usually they get defensive, they get angry, and then it, you know, can get quite tense. And what I've now learned, you really just have to bite your tongue, let the natural consequence play out. And then whatever happens, they have to fix whatever problem they create. So, you know, for example, for a whole year, I had my husband in charge of meal planning and grocery shopping. There were many nights when there was no food to be had. Dinner was very late because he hadn't planned. I knew when he should do it, but I just didn't say anything. And he slowly figured it out. And, you know, we were never going to die of starvation. And, yes, sometimes the kids went to bed a bit later than I would have hoped, but he actually now knows how to actively contribute to meal planning and grocery shopping. He also recognises how much headspace and time it can take up. So I think, you know, really letting that play out is so important if you truly want to get to a position where you're sharing the load. Yeah, there's a few important things you've raised there. There's that once of that self-control of just (laughs) holding yourself back and looking in the other direction let it play out. It's hard to do, but you've got to play the long game. It works itself out. And the other thing is that idea that if you do step in and rescue or micromanage, then they're not going to want to do that task. You're not, you know, it's impossible to delegate if you're going to hover. It won't be picked up. It'll come back to you. One of the other things I've learned is if it's truly important to me how it's done or that it gets done on time, I need to actually just take it on myself because otherwise I will, you know, will cause tension and frustration and I will actually leap in. So I have to really be careful about choosing the things that I'm not worried about or that you know if they if they do fail yes it might not be great Mm. but it's not going to be so distressing to me and so anxiety provoking that I feel like I have to jump in so really thinking quite selectively about how you divide your tasks up to things that aren't so important to you yeah a bit of self-awareness there (laughs) (laughs) what's really what really makes you tick and there are a couple of things in terms of life admin that just aren't worth pursuing. One of them is around, we talked, we had a bit of a chuckle when we were preparing for this session, was around your social life. And there can be this situation that you find yourself in where you have arranged catch-ups or events with friends and they just don't reciprocate. Like it's always you initiating the catch-up, making the suggestion, and you're waiting for them to go, yeah, why don't you guys come over? Oh, let's go to whatever. And it just doesn't happen. And we <laughs> were talking about this some time ago and I actually, I listened to Gretchen Rubin's Happier podcast and I actually 
emailed her in. I'm like, we have this situation. We organized this thing and, you know, people cancel at the last minute or they can't. It's just, it was driving us bananas. It was really interesting because she, she talked about it on her show and she asked listeners for their advice and their recommendation. And some of it was around having more empathy around what's going on in those people's lives, why they can't reciprocate or why they are flaky and don't show or cancel in the last minute. And people talked about, you know, tricky relationship situations and family situations and money situations that might prevent people from, you know, reciprocating. Uh, And then the other part of the advice was often just let them go. (laughs) Let them go. (laughs) Let those people go. If it's frustrating you so much, then hang out with different people or change the expectation of how you'll hang out. So in the book, we talk about the people priority and the event priority of your social life. Sometimes it's about the people. You really want to hang out with these people. You don't really care what you do as long as you're doing something together. The other end of that spectrum is the event priority where it's like you really want to do the thing. You want to go to the movie. You want to see the show. You don't really care who you do it with. So sometimes it's around recognizing that and switching up your expectations. Where have you made changes for yourself in your social life, done? I actually created a list. We'll talk about this in another episode. I've created a list of like the people who are most important to me and those are the ones I really focus on giving my my invitations to, if that makes sense. I've really thought about who I want to invite to things. And so there's other people who I'll do stuff with, but I really wait for them to kind of make the plans or or whatever. I'm not really proactively contacting them to organize social events. And I also have really focused on thinking about what are the things that are really important to me. So like I've got, you know, subscription to the theater, which is something I really enjoy doing. And so, you know, it's less important who I go with, but made sure that I'm really focusing on the things that I really enjoy doing as well. So I have really changed mine. And I, I do feel less less resentful to others because of that, because I'm really focusing on doing the things I want to do and being with the people I want to do. And I probably have also just accepted there are some people in my life who I really like spending time with who are just very bad at initiating. And I don't think it is a reflection on how much they value me as a friend. I think it's just a reflection on who they are and their season of life. So I think I've probably become, you know, a bit kinder towards my <laughs> thoughts to them. <laughs> yeah. And you know who you are. <laughs> I'm just hoping I'm on that list. Okay. So I, the other thing we talked about was people with email that's out of control, mm. like email inboxes where you have that little red dot, that little red number is in the hundreds or thousands of unread emails. And there's, I'm sure there's people listening and nodding, like, yeah, that's me. Just sometimes people are like, how do I get this under control? I need to unsubscribe from things. Sometimes it is worth just declaring email bankruptcy and starting again. You can't, you don't have the time to wrestle an account that's got, you know, hundreds or thousands of unread emails under control. The advice here really is to get all of that stuff. You can archive, you can put it all in a folder if you think there might be something that you want to search up in the future and just start with a fresh inbox. And then as things are coming in, you are unsubscribing. Or you can use an unsubscribe service. If you Google 
the latest unsubscribe services, they will go through and they will list all the things that you're subscribed to and you can bulk unsubscribe. I think one of the other areas where I have really focused is I used to do a lot of filing and I think we've talked Mm. about this in the past and I'm now really focused on thinking about which things need to be filed at all, like which things do I need to keep because it is, it's not a long task but it is a task that needs to be done. So, Are you talking about email filing or just any documents? Mostly email filing but usually attachments that come with emails and really thinking about I still do actually need to file some utility bills and those sorts of things because I do use them to claim uh, working from home expenses and things like that. So, but I've really thought about which of the ones that I are am going to claim for tax mm. and which things I'm not. And so, therefore, the ones that I'm not, I just simply archive the email. I could find it if I needed to, but the reality is it's way quicker to file those bills you do need for your tax return as you go rather than trying to at the end of the year do some mammoth task of searching through your email looking for every single mobile phone bill and etc bill so i do i've been quite conscious of which i, I will file and which ones i do not so that's mm. been an effort. if i used to file probably most utility bills and now i don't file some of them I, unless i change provider i don't file any of that stuff because i'm just logging into my account and mm. they're all there yeah if you change provider you will need to yeah, so that's I think that the, the trick I fell into before was then I changed provider during the year and then I couldn't get them. So now I like file yeah. as I go, but really think about what needs to be filed. And I also, one of the things I used to do is I have used to have lots of email folders and now I just have archive. Oh, that in our shared system, Diane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never yeah. looked at <laughs> Let that stuff go. I'm glad. I'm glad because I felt bad that I wasn't putting you in <laughs> Well, I think now that the email search functionality is so good, you don't really need it. Whereas I think a few years ago, you still, if you wanted to find things that often was quite difficult, now there is no reason to have more than one folder. Yeah. Another area of life admin where we both scaled down radically was you know approach to investments. Probably from talking to some money coach, so I'm getting into the coaching world, and so many people talk about money and learning about my money habits and thinking, oh, I used to be really interested in investments and what's going on there. And I used to spend so much time researching stocks and reading about what was happening in the economy and different industries and buying specific stocks. And then thinking, this is taking so much time, not particularly getting the returns (laughs) I before, and deciding to automate the entire thing through ETFs. So I signed up to. There's a few out there. I signed up for one called StockSpot where you can allocate a certain lump of funds to be transferred across on a monthly basis and you pick the ETFs that you're interested in. ETFs are exchange-traded funds, so they're kind of like a they buy an amalgam of stocks in different areas and they just invest it for you and it's just <laughs> such a load-off. And I know they're probably going to perform better than my personal stock picking because there's experts at the helm and the whole thing is automated. And I might, you know, if I have more time in the future to do all that research, I might come back in. But at this stage, I'm like, yeah, this is not an area of life admin that I have time for. I'm not doing particularly <laughs> And I think another area where we talk about life admin to stop doing in the book in particular is thinking about just getting all your bills automated on direct debits and, and you know, trusting that the providers are getting it right because, you know, most times they do. And so if you don't have the time for it, just stop paying bills and just let it happen automatically. Yeah. And knowing that there's usually flexibility around the frequency, you know, there's payment arrangements you can have. It's, they're quite flexible when you actually have a chat to a provider so that you can time it with your 
you know, your sources of income or if you have lumpy income, you can work around those kinds of things. All right. I'm hoping that this has given people some time back and a bit of a lowering of the shoulders to think, okay, I don't have to do everything. I don't have to do everything all the time and I don't have to do some things at all. Yeah, so our top hacks for this episode are to understand your goals and values so you know where to focus your time and attention. Satisfy, use the Pareto principle, 20% of your effort usually gives you 80% of the result. Accept that most life admin tasks do not need perfection. And finally, consider dialing back the frequency of some of your life admin tasks or uh, really cutting back on how often you do things. Thanks for listening. Show notes for this episode are available at lifeadminlifehacks.com. And if you're a fan, please subscribe and share the love and tell a friend or review us in your podcasting app. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to The Kroger Show. At Kroger, everyone wins when it comes to saving big. Because when you order online through the Kroger app, you get the same great prices, deals, and rewards on pickup or delivery that you do in-store with no hidden fees or markups. So no matter how you shop, you'll always save big at Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.